Inside a rough and ruthless newsroom, thousands of stories fight for the spotlight. Only a few survive past their 15 minutes of fame. So what makes for a good headline and what makes for a buried byline? Join us, two former TV news producers, as we dig up stories that never got the recognition or justice they deserve. I'm Mallory Wilson. I'm Megan DeLucine. And this is Buried Bylines. I'm just waiting for my Chick-fil-A. Oh, I want Chick-fil-A and I just ate. (laughs) So if I'm silent for a long time, it's because I'm eating my chicken nuggets. Yeah, she's eating her nugs and her waffle fries and probably a lemonade because Chick-fil-A lemonades are fire. They are so good. I got um, a Sunjoy. Have you ever had one of those? Uh Uh-uh. It's like their sweet tea and their lemonade together. Ooh, so like an Arnold Palmy? Yes, exactly. Ooh. Exactly! <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this is a case I've been wanting to cover, but dreading covering because I'm going to get mad. <laughs> shocker. Um, <laughs> shocker to nobody. So you have that to look forward to, so you're welcome. This case is actually one that my mom first suggested that we cover right when the podcast started. She was like, have you ever heard of this case? And I was like, I've heard of part of it. But then the part that she told me, I was like, what the fuck? So this case is unique because it's the end of the story that went national. Like it blew up nationally in the media, but it started with a case that could have prevented the end of the story. So that's always yeah. fun for us to cover because I just get angry. Before I get too mad, we're going to start at the end. And this case actually happened when we were working in the newsroom. Oh, Mallory. shit. Okay. Yes. Maybe, rem- maybe I'll know You'll it remember then. it. You will. Because oh, okay. I remember covering it. Um, but we'll see if you do. So today we'll be talking about the kidnapping and murder of 34-year-old Eliza Fletcher. Eliza was a teacher in Memphis, Tennessee. She taught junior kindergarten, which I've never heard of before. <laughs> like, is it pre between preschool and kindergarten? Or are you like a graduated <laughs> kindergartner? Junior kindergarten. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard I've of never that. Never heard of that. Right. Uh, but you have to be a very special person and extremely patient to chase around five-year-olds all day or however old they are in junior kindergarten. Um, according to the independent, she was a mother of two and a business heiress. We'll get into that in a minute. Sassy. I know her friends and family members called her Liza, but I didn't know her. So I'm going to call her Eliza. Now everyone take a shot because here's part of the episode where I say the victim gets overshadowed by what happened to them. (laughs) Are we turning our podcast into a drinking game? I think you could. (laughs) When one of us says, that's wild, or when you go, shut up. (laughs) I noticed that when I edit episodes a lot, that I I need to be actively better about giving responses to you, because a lot of the times, I'll I'll just be like, yeah. And then I'm like, (laughs) that gives nothing to the the podcast. you, You react physically. Too. I like, do, but do this do. isn't this isn't a visual medium, unfortunately. I know. I know. <laughs> and I've also realized when we edit a lot, we go, yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> like all in a row. Um, but yeah, we could turn this into a drinking game easily. So I had to dig for information about who this woman was. Granted, not not I didn't have to dig as much as I did with previous victims because this part did go nationwide. So there were a lot of there was a lot of coverage. Um, but I still did have to kind of dig like it was at the bottom of articles. But here's what I did find. According to E! News of all places, Eliza was the granddaughter of the late Joseph Orgel III. He was a local philanthropist and businessman. He helped run a Memphis-based hardware supply business. So he was reportedly worth billions with a B when he died. Jesus. Yeah. So she came from a wealthy family. She graduated from Baylor University. She met her husband, Richard, at church. They married in 2014. Her family described her as a born athlete and a strong believer in the importance of personal growth. Um, they said she wasn't ever afraid to be vulnerable. In fact, she said, or they said she embraced it. And that's super hard to do. I mean, she just sounded like a really cool person. And yeah. she ran marathons. According to that E! News article, she actually ran those marathons. And Nike, she designed herself, which is fucking cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> I tried to find a picture so hard but I didn't but I bet they were awesome she loved running she did it every single day she was extremely motivated um like I ran cross country in high school I used to try to run in college and then now I barely walk um but according to CNN she ran 8.2 miles every day I don't understand I think that people who I think that people who run every day have a different chemical balance than like yeah yeah, yeah. there's like the like, block in the brain that we have they don't have that yeah like, and I am jealous I'm jealous sucks. I want to go home I want my Chick Fil A yeah I'm sitting here waiting for Chick Fil A Jesus okay yeah so super dedicated eight point two miles every day. And she went for one of those regular runs at 4.30 a.m. on Friday, September 2nd, 2022. She took her usual route, which is close to the University of Memphis. She was wearing a pink jogging top and purple running shorts. Usually, I hate when media zones in on what women wear, but we know what she was wearing because we have video footage. Oh, wow. Yeah, we know about that video footage because it shows the moment Eliza was abducted. Do you remember? Oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. No. Okay. That's, I just remember, I just remember like, because this happened over a course of a couple days and it just kind of blew up out of nowhere. So we'll get into it a little more and you might, you, I feel like you do know this. So the footage, the footage shows a black 2013 GMC terrain SUV driving past her before pulling up by her. Then we see a man get out of the car and quote, aggressively run towards her, which is fucking scary. Um, But multiple media outlets use the word aggressively to describe how he approached her. So it must've been like, obviously terrifying. Um, We see Eliza and the man struggle and she gave him hell, but eventually he shoved her into the passenger side of the vehicle. And I want to pause for a minute to let that sink in. Like she's on a run that she does every single morning, is jumped by a stranger, forced into a car against her will. 
I've like, seen I a Criminal Minds episode just yeah, like this. I cannot imagine like how scary that it's like be. my worst nightmare. That's why yeah. I don't sometimes I don't even like to go out to my car at night. Yeah. At in, in the driveway of the home that I own. <laughs> right. In a nice area. Like yeah. It's scary. And like it, a lot of a lot of women feel this way. And it's something that like it's the one thing where you're like, this is what I want to avoid, but it happened to her and it's horrible. And this is even scarier. According to the surveillance footage, the car remains at the abduction site for four minutes before driving off. If you're kidnapping someone, I why would you not there. immediately take off? Well, yeah. I don't know. Like, because it looked like she was giving him hell um, before she got in the car. So I can only assume she was like fighting for her life. There's not like sound on there, I don't think, or that we have access to. So I don't know. But I can't, I cannot fucking imagine that. So I want to back up a bit because the footage was made public later in the timeline. I think a couple days after news of her abduction. So according to The Independent, Eliza's family reported her missing when she didn't come back from her run on September 2nd, 2022. And here's where I do want to note that Eliza is a white woman. Now, some people say that doesn't impact anything, but I'm sorry it does. Uh, the police took the missing persons report seriously right off the bat, which is amazing. But Mallory, we've listened to and read multiple cases where women or even just people of color go missing. And the response the families get are like, oh, they're adults. They're allowed to go missing. Or you have to wait at least X amount of hours before filing a missing persons report. I do think there is something to speak to about the fact that she had a routine and yeah. she and she was running because yeah. if someone just leaves their house in their car and they take their right. like for right. for example stuff. yeah yeah the not for example the Naja Farrell case we covered she left for work she took her phone she took her purse she had her car True. like all of those things that's pretty normal and I mean mm -hmm. luckily in that case the the police took it very seriously from the beginning too yes, yes. but it is to be like okay she was running she mm -hmm. might have had her phone but like what else did she have and this was something she did every day so the fact that she didn't come home that's right, right off the bat that's weird yeah yeah and like I'm not saying Eliza's case and family members don't deserve a quick response I'm just saying this should be the response every single time. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Do do it for everyone, please. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. Like, file the missing persons report. Like, if they're found an hour later, great. Like, you can just throw that paperwork away or whatever. But back to our timeline. Again, Eliza's family reported her missing. The Memphis Police Department got right to work. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation also got involved at this point. Later that same morning, according to WREG, a man riding his bike found Eliza's damaged cell phone and water bottle on the ground. So she had her cell phone and water bottle with her. Uh, right away, not great. Like, she wouldn't leave that on purpose. <laughs> the biker also found a pair of champion slide shoes, which did not belong to Eliza. So police issued a city watch for Eliza at 9 a.m. that morning. That's only about five hours after she went on her run. So that's, like, super quick. A city watch? Is that like a silver alert? 
a maybe or like they posted on like their Facebook page or like sent out like if you're subscribed to the police department like how kind of when we went to Ball State you had the like uh university alerts or whatever I'm not sure overnight volunteers with the Shelby County Sheriff's Office spent several hours searching a nearby park that was about 1.3 miles away from Eliza's house Saturday afternoon the next day police announced they found the SUV wanted in connection to her disappearance and that they also detained a man police said the man was its driver and then they didn't say anything more at that time <laughs> according to KAKETV I don't know that's cake but her family released a video statement just half an hour after that announcement and offered $50,000 in reward money for information that leads to an arrest in the case yeah, so that's substantial, but wow. again, she, she came from billions of dollars. The next day, Sunday morning, police announced the arrest of 38-year-old Cleotha, Cleotha, I'm not sure, Henderson, in connection to Eliza's disappearance. I've also seen him named in news articles as Cleotha Abstin, or like hyphenated, like Cleotha Henderson Abstin, but we're going to go with Henderson because that's what I've seen the most. He was charged with, quote, especially aggravated kidnapping and tampering with evidence in the case. They found this guy. So where is she? I know, I know. They found this guy <laughs> through a DNA test on the slides found at the scene of the abduction. Uh, the DNA found on the slides matched DNA in CODIS, which is the nation's DNA database. If your DNA is in CODIS, that usually means you have a criminal past, which we find out this guy did. Uh, we later find out that investigators actually found surveillance footage from a nearby, like, shop, allegedly showing Henderson wearing those same slides days prior to the abduction. Damn, get some other I pairs know. of shoes! <laughs> I know! Or, like, don't wear those shoes. Stay <laughs> stupid. Do whatever yeah. According to WREG, authorities went to Henderson's last known address and found the GMC terrain with passenger taillight damage backed into a parking space. So that matches the SUV seen on the footage. Police say Henderson refused to provide investigators with information regarding Fletcher's whereabouts. And here's where we find out that Henderson had a previous conviction for aggravated kidnapping in 2000. Oh, cool. In that case, he was convicted of abducting a prominent Memphis attorney when he was 16 years old and forcing them to an ATM. So he served almost two decades behind bars and was released in November of 2020. Court documents also show he was detained 16 times from 1995 to 2000 for things such as rape, aggravated assault, unlawful possession of a weapon. So he had a God. long, long rap sheet, like starting juvenile like and it's not little either it's like no huge it's like stuff yeah wreg obtained an affidavit in the abduction case which indicated that the abduction was violent and was caught on camera so that's the footage that we talked about earlier this is on top of a massive search effort that was ongoing after news of her abduction went public and at this point in the case national news outlets were getting wind of the story and it was everywhere so i think this is the point in the case where i remember starting to cover this because i feel like we had a conversation that was like 
do we play the abduction footage because it is violent like you could like it's aggressive or do we just like show stills i think i remember that being the discussion but i'm not was i sick this day like (laughs) i i don't remember this at all no i don't know i just i just remember covering it or maybe because our our stations were technically two different networks so maybe like mine focused more on it and then the other one didn't i'm not sure um i don't know but i do remember at this point i was like i really hope that she's found but it went on for days and then they announced the arrest and didn't say they found her that tells me she's not alive anymore And she wasn't because on Monday, three days after Eliza was abducted, police found a body in the back of an abandoned duplex in South Memphis. This property was near Henderson's brother's apartment, where we later find out that according to witnesses, Henderson was seen cleaning out his SUV and, quote, acting super weird. Police confirmed it was Fletcher's body the next day. Investigators eventually obtained cell phone records for Henderson which they say placed him near the place that Eliza was abducted at the time she was abducted. And now this is the fastest moving case I've ever seen in my life because on September 6th, four days after Eliza was abducted and killed and minutes, minutes after authorities identified her body, Cleotha Henderson appeared before a judge on updated charges of murder, premeditated murder and murder in perpetration of kidnapping. They said, we are not fucking around. No. Four days, four days after she was abducted. That's literally like a dream. I know. It's crazy. Later, he was charged with identity theft, theft of property of $1,000 or less, and illegal possession of a credit or debit card of $1,000 or less. They did not say that was in connection to Eliza, but I'm thinking it more than likely was. So she probably had, I don't know if she would have had her wallet on her when she was running, but... It could not be connected to her, but they just tacked on those charges. Um, According to an affidavit, surveillance footage also shows that same black SUV stalking around the area where Eliza was taken around 24 minutes before the kidnapping. So according to Fox 10, investigators reviewed video surveillance from nearby. It showed the SUV, quote, passing and then waiting for the victim to run by. It seems to me like casing the area. So I don't know if, if he was targeting her specifically or if it was like an opportunity thing. It wouldn't surprise me if it was targeted considering she had a routine, she ran right. the same route, and if he was able to look into her a little bit and stalk her, he'd know that she had money yeah. and uh, he yeah. had done this before, so right and like she would be around this area at this certain time in her run there so far has been no official report that she was sexually assaulted or not so we don't know that now here's where the second case comes in but it actually happened first according to cnn on september 13th 2022 henderson was indicted on rape charges in a separate case from 2021 he was indicted on charges of aggravated rape kidnapping and unlawful possession of a weapon in that case. So here's where I get pissed. In a statement from the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, TBI said they were made aware by MPD of a rape kit that might be linked to an open MPD investigation. 
And that is the rape that occurred in September of 2021. So that rape kit was submitted by police on September 23rd, 2021, and it was put into a queue of untested rape kits. So this rape kit was just sitting in the system untested and according to the results proved Henderson was the rapist. So a year before this woman was murdered, allegedly by Henderson, a woman submitted a rape kit, which according to police proved Henderson was the rapist. So he should have been in jail. Yes. And he had just gotten out of jail because he was out of jail in, in 2020. 2020. Yeah. Within months, he's already back to doing terrible, terrible things. Yep. And at the time, the TBI said it took an average of at least 33 weeks to process kits in 2022. That's over eight months. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Rape kits have never been processed rapidly. It's right. It's a thing that people continuously push for is Correct. test all of the fucking rape kits. Right. You're telling me that you think that process got better during COVID? No. No, they had so many other fucking things to worry about. I know. I know. But that's that's eight months that a rapist is out on the streets, potentially continuing to rape people without consequences. Like, I understand resources are slim, but, like, this man's DNA was in the system before he allegedly murdered this woman for a violent crime. And that is crazy. The rape victim in 2021 was a woman by the name of Alicia Franklin. She told police she was raped at gunpoint in September of 2021, which is traumatic in and of itself. Went through that traumatic experience of having a rape test done. And WREG News reported it took an entire year for it to be tested and turned back around to law enforcement. And like you said, this is a problem we see nationwide. Our news station in Indianapolis did a lot of in-depth pieces on untested rape kits in Indiana. So it's not unique to Tennessee, not unique to Indiana, nationwide issue. Alicia Franklin eventually went on to sue the city of Memphis, which I totally agree with. An entire year just to test evidence is crazy. Um, she sued the city in September of 2022, exactly two weeks after Fletcher's body was found, saying if Memphis police had not failed to properly investigate her rape in 2021, allegedly by Cleotha Henderson, Eliza Fletcher would still be alive, which in my opinion is true. <laughs> Eliza Fletcher's family should be suing the city of Memphis. I agree. I agree. Um, and again, allegedly, because he is facing rape charges, but has not been convicted of the rape or the murder. So Alicia Franklin said police failed to arrest Henderson, even though they had evidence of his guilt. Franklin said she gave police his phone number, description of his car, and his social media information. Phone number? Did she yeah. know that? You will get to that, yeah. And despite seeking immediate medical attention and reporting the rape to Memphis police, she wasn't given an update for months. We also find out that Henderson had warrants out for his arrest before Franklin's rape happened. So he, no matter how the cards would have fallen, he would have been he in jail. Have been in prison. Yes, he should have been in jail at this point, and Eliza Fletcher should still be alive. And we find out her rape kit was tested and returned as a match for Henderson the same day Eliza Fletcher's body was found, according to police. I don't know why they would even rat themselves out like that. No, I would not. 
no Mm -mm. it's not a good look at all it's so bad and according to action 5 news the apartment complex where police say the rape happened is the same one that henderson was arrested at after news of fletcher's murder that's also where they found the car used in the abduction according to franklin's lawsuit she said she met henderson who she knew as cleo on a dating app they agreed to meet up at an apartment complex where henderson said he worked according to franklin when he arrived, according to the lawsuit, Henderson took out a gun and threatened to kill her before blindfolding her and raping her in the back of his car. And people want to know why women are scared to go on blind dates. Why they're scared to fucking go on a run outside. That's insane. I can do some calming exercises really quick. Okay. Woosah. <laughs> um, she told Good Morning America, quote, they had more than enough evidence that night when they interviewed me to get him off the streets, but they didn't. The city of Memphis filed its motion to dismiss the case in December of 2022, citing four arguments, one of which said, quote, the city did not owe a duty to Miss Franklin to investigate her rape. Fucking says who? What are you, what are police officers fucking for? I know. I was like, are you kidding me? I don't know who's fucking stupider. Whoever's running the Memphis Police Department or this guy who's been just breaking every law and yeah. leaving his DNA everywhere. The court disagreed with that argument, thankfully. But yeah, agreed thank God. For once. For once. Thank you, court system. But the court agreed with another argument, which is this. Tennessee state law actually provides immunity for government employees accused of being reckless or of gross negligence, which is just... I fucking hate it here. How can there literally be a law... How can there literally be a law to protect, like, police officers and government people from fucking up and just being like, it's fine. We'll protect them. For what? Who cares? Yeah, what why are we like, saving them? Right. And like, why have laws then if you're gonna be reckless or negligent? Like, yeah, just let it be the fucking God, purge. Like, do it. Just do it, and it's fine, and you'll be protected under state law. So that's fucking crazy. Franklin's original lawsuit was dismissed in March of this year by Shelby County Circuit Court Judge Mary Wagner, M-A-R-Y-W-A-G-N-E-R. Franklin's team filed a motion to reinstate the lawsuit, which was again dismissed by the same judge in July of this year. You had me in the first half, Mary. You really had me, and then you lost me. Goodbye. Her team is still trying to revive the case, so I hope somehow it goes through because that's crazy. Um, As for the rape case against Henderson, the last thing I could find was that he pleaded not guilty and was due in court later this year. Sticking with the court stuff, I wanted to get to the most recent updates in the murder case against Henderson. According to ABC5, the Shelby County District Attorney's Office filed a notice to seek the death penalty in July of 2023, so last month. The DA, Steve Mulroy, said the graphic findings of Fletcher's death are why he will ask a jury to sentence Henderson to death. 
So they mentioned that the murder was brutal, graphic, which I just can't, I can't imagine. Um, we later find out that Fletcher was shot in the back of the head and that was what caused her death. So that ABC5 News article states, the next steps for this case allows for both the prosecution and defense time to study DNA samples, firearm evidence, and other information from the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. As far as I could tell, a trial date hasn't been set. He last appeared in court on July 6th, 2023, which is when the DA said he would seek the death penalty. He's due back in court on August 4th, which is actually two days from the day we're recording. Yeah, geez. <clears throat> yeah, so hopefully we'll have an update for you next time. Bottom line, he should not have been out on the streets. He was given numerous chances, couldn't stop committing crimes. The system failed Eliza, and in my opinion, the system failed Alicia. <laughs> I'm so fucking lootly. <laughs> yeah, like Eliza should be alive, and he should have been behind bars for the alleged rape or the other warrants that he was wanted on before that rape happened. Like... What happened to the three strikes rule? Is that like, like very by state or is that just for drugs or what? <laughs> because this guy had like 17 strikes. I cannot wrap my head around how you can get away with doing so much shit. Right. And like violent shit, like kidnapping, rape, like yeah. on a lighter note, <laughs> there was a lot of good that came from this. And that's just what you kind of have to look for because otherwise you're just going to be an angry bitch fucking <laughs> infuriating seven pints of ice cream in a night do you know do you know what makes me so upset about all of this aside from the murder of it all yeah is yeah. is that there's such a push to get women to relive their trauma and do rape mm -hmm. kits and report their rapes even though even if you do have a rape kit, it's very, very hard to prove rape. Mm -hmm. And, like, you're you're asking women to put their lives out there. And then this mm -hmm. woman, who did everything right, she yeah. got a rape kit. She reported the guy. She gave them all the fucking information. She was on a fucking date. Number. Yeah, she knows everything about, she knows who her attacker is literally has a rape kit the rape kit matches his dna i'm sorry he fucking raped her and then yeah. like the cops are just gonna be like oh sorry we just didn't feel like testing that kit and also Great like year. and also like i know that this guy ended up like murdering someone but like fuck you because right. we're gonna protect we're gonna protect ourselves and we didn't have any duty we didn't have any duty to protect you. I can't believe the city tried to argue that. I was like... The <gasps> fucking audacity. I'm surprised she didn't commit mass murder because I would have <laughs> lost my fucking mind. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, yeah. shout out shout out to her because she has to be super fucking strong. And shout out to her support system who yeah. took all the weapons out of her home because... Away from her, yes. She, because she went on Good Morning America, like, she talked about this, which is traumatizing in and of itself, like, talking about it over and over and over and getting shut down each time, like, and that's something I wanted to talk about because I shared this TikTok. I don't know who did it. I don't take credit for it, but it was, like, a conversation about the Barbie movie, and it was, I reposted it, 
but it was a woman talking to her guy friend who she like trusted thought like oh I'd trust him to like take me home if I needed to go somewhere whatever and the guy was like well the movie was boring and it didn't have an a surface and like it was just like everybody was like face value and then the woman was like actually no you think it's surface level and face value because this conversation is what women have been screaming about for fucking years and you think it's overdone you think it's overdone you don't get it because you're a man and she was like to me the Barbie movie I felt empathy and I felt heard and I felt seen like I this is shit that I have to worry about that you don't I have to worry about going outside to my mailbox at nighttime and you don't have to think and you don't have to even blink an eye. Like when Barbie felt threatened, like within three seconds of being in the real world and she was on rollerblades and she was like, for some reason, I feel unsafe. And it's like, ha ha ha. But that's literally true. That's how women feel. They can't. Sometimes they feel like they can't even go outside without feeling like safe. Yeah. And like the dichotomy of you can, there's only two sides of your feelings. You can be a fucking bitch or you can be a pushover. Like there's, or you're too emotional. Like it's, it's crazy to me. Like I can't. In case you guys haven't seen the Barbie movie yet, this, this is now a full full ad for the Barbie movie and you should go see it. Yeah, you should. It's really good. And I mean, if you're a woman, you're a woman, you're really going to like it because it's literally what fucking happens to us every single day. Um, As a result of this, it did kind of trigger a nationwide discussion about sexual assault investigations and the backlog of untested rape kits. So as a result, the Tennessee officials promised to hire dozens of new crime lab employees and also proposed to spend millions more to raise their pay. We've yet to see this happen. A Memphis lawmaker, (laughs) Antonio Parkinson, even sponsored a bill that would require DNA testing to be completed in 30 days. That bill failed to survive, though. Fucking shocker. According to the commercial appeal, in May of this year, the Memphis City Council announced it wanted to build a forensic crime lab that's separate from the Memphis Police Department. It proposed setting aside $600,000 out of MPD's budget to build it. Unclear if it will be included in the final budget, but it is a discussion that they're talking about. Build the fucking center and test the DNA. People are just going to keep suing you. What's like you're you would rather just be, first of all, shitty police officers and Mm -hmm. shitty people and Mm -hmm. want to just rather get sued for fucking. I don't know the words. The word I'm thinking is malpractice, but these are not doctors. (laughs) 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 And like you would rather do that than just just Test the fucking DNA. Just right. build the center and test the DNA. Oh my God, you're so mad. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, it's so not. Yeah, like just can you just take a section of your probably million dollar police budget, just build a fucking center and pay people to test these kits? Like, I, feel I get like it. A screaming banshee. I know. <laughs> I know. We're gonna. Yeah, people are gonna be mad, but it's fine. It's- <laughs> It's, it's hard. It's hard for a nationwide sweep of tests to happen, but something has to happen. Like it, like maybe, you know what? (laughs) Here I am. Here I am with another hot fucking take. Okay. (laughs) Do you know what? It's not that hard. Okay. No, it's not. And, and people can say that it's hard, but 
their backs haven't been pushed far enough against the wall to make mm-hmm. it happen. Because everybody saw how fucking fast they rolled out nationwide COVID testing. That's they true. got that. They were able to do that. They were able to roll out yeah. nationwide vaccines of COVID. Yeah. And I get it. That's an epidemic. And that was their backs were up oh, against the wall. And they were trying. They were trying to save people's lives. But like. I mean, you test DNA, you catch killers, you catch rapists, you put bad people in jail. Where's the downside? Right. Right. And like, rape is a fucking epidemic. Like, (laughs) my mom and I were talking about it the other day. Like, every single time I go outside by myself, day or night, I'm looking over my shoulder. Of course. There is always a chance someone could snatch me up someone could gun me down, somebody could grab me and rape me. Like, I have to worry about that every time I go outside. And that, to me, is an epidemic. Like, that people do this to other people and get away with it because there's not enough money to test the rape kits. Who says if it's rape or not? Who says da-da-da-da? Like, it's, it's, it's infuriating. I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to put a trigger warning on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Another trigger warning. I want to address the race factor in these cases as much as people don't like to talk about it. It's a player here. As I said at the top of the episode, Eliza Fletcher is a beautiful white blonde woman. She's what we like to call the media's quote unquote perfect victim. We see this with John Benet. We see this with Madeline McCann. And on the other hand, Alicia Franklin is a beautiful black woman. In my opinion, if it weren't for Eliza Fletcher's murder, Alicia Franklin's case might not have ever seen an ounce of media coverage. And it sucks, but it's true. And this woman, Eliza Fletcher, was just running. She was just running. She was exercising, being outside, as is her right. She got kidnapped. She got killed. And that's one thing that I do remember covering this case, actually, is hundreds of people gathered a week after the day she was abducted and killed to symbolically complete her last run. According to CNN, over 2,100 people signed up to run her route in an event called Let's Finish Liza's Run. And it was so beautiful. And I do remember that, like it stuck out to me because after she was found, it was just, it sucked. And then it was this like outpouring of support. And like, I remember quotes from the organizers and people that participated One of the residents told CNN that the run was, quote, a real tribute to her and just the fact that women should be able to get out early in the morning or whatever and do this. And it's true because women should be able to safely walk, run, fucking exist at any time of day. And I'd like to end this episode on Eliza. According to her obituary, Liza was a light to all who knew her. Her contagious smile and laughter could brighten any room. Liza was pure of heart and innocent in ways that made her see the best in everyone she met. She was also described as a bright light in her community by the staff at the school where she taught. And that's it. And I need to let go of this for a minute. Would you like a fun fact to bring your spirits up? I'll give you the fun fact today. Okay, because I can't focus. (laughs) It's still kind of sad, which is totally... (laughs) Mallory... Which is totally on brand for me. But yes. human teeth are the only part of the body that can't heal themselves. Interesting. So, like, any yeah, other part of your body can. yeah, could heal itself. Ooh. But I'm convinced that that's why 
dental work hurts so much. Like when you have yeah. something going on, like if you have a, a cavity or a root canal or something, that shit hurts. Yeah, they're like, bitch, I can't regrow this. You need to stop <laughs> doing it. You, you got to get your shit together. That's why people have to pay so much money for new fucking teeth because you can't, once they're damaged, you can't fix them. You're right. I think you're on something. There you have it. As former journalists, we want to give credit where credit is due. For this episode, I got my information from CNN, CBS News, The Independent, USA Today, WREG, Fox News, E! Online, The Commercial Appeal, KAKE TV, Good Morning America, Fox 10, Action 5 News, PSR Memphis, The Guardian, BuzzFeed News, and Local Memphis. You can find a complete list of our sources in the show notes. Please make sure to check them out. Bye! Bye!